John, as we speak, the Mets and Dodgers are playing a series here in New York. Yeah, I mean, this is a great time for the Mets to get a gauge of exactly where they stand. The Dodgers look like an all-time great team on 114-win pace. Mets aren't that far behind, but they look a little behind at the moment. You know, Steve Cohen said he wants to emulate the Dodgers. We're going to ask Steve Cohen that and a bunch of other questions if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. John, I, I think on this podcast, we were hoping to make it as national as possible, but this season, the Mets and the Yankees have done a good job of uh, being good and being interesting. So uh, David Bednar of the Pirates has to wait for another podcast. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers are in town as we're doing this. Uh, they won the first game of a series against the Mets. It got them to 90 wins. They're on pace for 114. By the way, the Mets are on pace for 102. It isn't like they're uh, having a poor year. Do the Mets belong on the field with <laughs> sure. the Dodgers? Yeah, it felt like a big series. I, I was there. I'm going to be there again tonight. I mean, the Dodgers can do no wrong at this point. 90 wins before you hit September. Incredible. I mean, no matter who they throw on the field, they play well. I mean, we saw Heaney briefly with the Yankees. He was atrocious. He's been pretty good with the Dodgers. Uh, Gallo, I mean, I, I don't have to remind you exactly what he did with the Yankees or didn't do. And he's been really good with the Dodgers. Now talking about how laid back he is. I saw today in the post. Jake Reed, who the Mets uh, DFA'd, uh, got the save. Boy, he looked excited. So it was a great moment for him. But I mean, the Dodgers are amazing. They obviously have some superstars. They have great players. But it feels like whoever they put in their uniform is going to play well. Yeah. And yet, because of injury, Bueller in specific, who would start game one of a uh, postseason, Tony Gonsolin now, who I think they're suggesting is going to come back before the end of the year, but still he's dealing with injury. That feels like the avenue. The total, their run prevention is great. And yet I'll look at the rotation and specifically the bullpen and feel like if someone is going to beat them in the postseason, that's the avenue. Who who gets all the starts, especially if Gonzalez is in there? Look, it's still going to be good. Urias and Kershaw is a good opening one-two. You know, but then it's like, do you trust Anderson? Do you trust Heaney? Been good. You know, yeah, like been they've good. been good, but that's the avenue. And then the bullpen, because Greg Kimbrell in the end has not been good. Is he trusted to close games? If not, who? Is that a wide enough berth for the Mets, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Braves, etc., to feel like, hey, we are going to keep the Dodgers at one World Series win since 1988, or is it so substantial Dodgers to the next national team? You know, team? I keep hearing that opinion that the Mets are the favorite or the Mets are going to win because they have DeGrom and Scherzer, and certainly that is a, a big, big edge for them to have arguably the two best pitchers in the sport. They certainly have a shot, and they have a great closer in Diaz, and we were all disappointed. Pointed Timmy Trumpet didn't get to play the music last night, and we're 
open for tonight. Uh, they obviously have those edges, but it's about the whole team. And I, you know, I was talking to Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers GM last night, and he says the fewer off days means it's going to really be about the whole roster. And one through twenty-six, they are tough to beat. And and you know, you know, I've said this many times on this show, other shows. I do think that starting pitching thing is overrated. I think it's a fallacy. If if it was so important, the, the Braves would have won more than once. And now, really nobody other than Alcantara goes eight innings, right? So you're going to need some relievers beyond Diaz even. You're going to need a bridge. And Alavino's been good. I'm still worried about their bullpen a bit. Looking at that full roster, looking at those 90 wins, to me the Dodgers, despite what everyone's saying about the DeGrom-Scherzer combo, I think the Dodgers are the heavy favorite. My book, anyway. I think they're a heavy favorite. I understand your point about starting pitching, especially since it isn't like Schilling Johnson where you're going to get seven, eight, nine innings out of it. It's going to be shorter. But, I mean, I think Scherzer, if healthy, will do seven. Sure. And I'm curious where they're going with DeGrom. It feels like they're trying to build up so that he gives at least seven in the postseason. I do think that's the puncher's chance best for the Mets is in a seven-game series, do they get four starts out of those two guys? And you take the chance of other games, do you find a win or two someplace else? You hope you win as many of those four as possible. John, you talked about the whole roster. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. The Dodgers didn't do a heck of a lot at the trade deadline, but right now we're talking about a team on a 114-win pace. The Mets did supplementary stuff, and we talked about this at the time, and the initial readout of it was, oh, you know, this deepened them, Naquin and Vogelbach and Givens. And now when they're on the same field as the Dodgers, I'm wondering, did they do enough? We had a podcast, I think, early in which I criticized what they did. And then, of course, I had to take it all back. (laughs) Now I'm going to go back and re-criticize, I think. I still feel like they needed to get more offense. They needed to get more behind Alonzo. You know, he looks frustrated now. Is it because the guys behind him are not the threats that they should be? Uh, Vogelbach has done pretty well, obviously. And Aquin has had some moments, but... I wanted to see them get at least a Mancini or a Bell, somebody who was the guy would bat fifth right behind Alonzo. I wanted to see that. And obviously, Givens has been up and down since he came here. They did try for Rizel Iglesias. They tried for Robertson, didn't get him. I think they should have been more generous with the uh, prospects. You know, we, we knew early on that they wanted to hold on to those top five prospects, and everybody wanted those top five prospects, but they couldn't find that sixth or seventh guy that somebody wanted, I guess. It didn't seem to work out in the in their favor there, but you know, they still have an outstanding team. They're still on pace, as you said, for 102 wins. They still have as good a chance as anybody else, and uh, you know, it is, it is a nice advantage to have DeGrom and Scherzer. Now, you're not going to be able to pull DeGrom and put him in the bullpen like they did with Johnson or, you know, in 2001. Uh, they're not going to be quite as dominant. Scherzer willing to go in the bullpen, willing to do anything. They've got a shot, but uh, as I said, after seeing the Dodgers and at 1-2-3 in the order, uh, they're pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, let's talk about that, the 1-2-3 in the order. So I wrote a uh, column last week for our Post Plus site about trying to figure out just who the Mets MVP was this season. Uh, Because I think you can make a case for three guys. And let's get to the Mets in a minute. But like to your point, I think as we try to think about who's going to be the National League MVP, I think Goldschmidt is the front runner. Yeah, he's the leader. But, you know, as we sit here today, you know, just baseball reference war, Arenado is actually ahead Mm -hmm. of Goldschmidt. I mean, it's fractional. It's like 7.1 to 7. But almost besides Machado, 
all the other MVP candidates have at least one other teammate. Like it's Riley and Swanson with the Braves. It's Arenado and Goldschmidt. And it's at least three on the Mets and the Dodgers. And you wonder how they split votes as people try to come to peace with it. So come to peace with the, at least the Dodgers. Give me one, two, three in order of what you think it is. First, I'll say, you know, I've heard that split votes forever. And at least I don't vote like that. I vote for whoever the top 10 guys are. If it's two or three Dodgers, I'll vote for the but, two or three But Dodgers, remember, so. it's pointed, though. Like, would you do, like, if you did Goldschmidt one, if you legitimately thought, like, Betts, Freeman, and Turner were the next three guys, would you do two, three, four, or would you say, well, ah, that doesn't seem right. I'm no. going to insert Machado in. Because remember, it's a slotted point system where you get no, a I point. for the top ten in order. Or in order. And I and I and it doesn't feel like that's ever manifested itself and hurt somebody, the splitting votes. I hear that all the time, but I, I'd like to see an example of that actually hurting somebody. I mean, I think at this point it's going to be Goldschmidt Did one, it happen in 88? And Arenado where- too. Where Gibson won, wasn't it McReynolds? And, was it McReynolds and Strawberry in 88? I mean, I Am I Gibson right about that? I think Gibson had the better narrative. Right. You know, I mean, I was out in L.A. at that time. It felt like he was the MVP just based, you know, at that point, we thought more about valuable right. and winning and all that. So, we But I'm going back to 1988 yeah, to right. do this, so I, even I if it was. splitting votes thing. I think it's going to come out Goldschmidt and Machado if it stays the way it is now. But in terms of the Dodgers, I mean, you know, the, it's a three-sided coin. I think at this point I go with Betts just because – He's an incredible right fielder. He's a weapon in right field. I, you know, I'd like to pick Trey Turner. He's a lovely guy. I interviewed him last night, and Freddie Freeman's done a great job. I think they really appreciate him in L.A. and understand how great he is. You know, I'd go with Betts right now as the, the MVP of the Dodgers. I think that's right. The only thing you could knock him on a little, I mean, he's been generally durable, but he's played about 15 fewer games than both Freeman and Turner. He does a higher war, though, yeah, I believe. Yeah, he does have a higher right. war, and I also think he's just the best player in the National League, even with Goldschmidt. I I think Goldschmidt's the MVP. I always think to myself, if I had to win a game today and I had the first pick in a draft, who would I take? I think I'd take bets because it's a lot of things. He does every every day in some way. Now that's also, this is what makes the Dodgers special to me. And I think the Mets and the Yankees should really take a, a, a cue from the Dodgers here, which is the Dodgers acquired Freeman, Turner, and Betts. Those are outside guys, as good as their farm system, outside guys. Those are guys who every day in some way help you win a baseball game. They're all outstanding hitters. They could all give you power. They're all excellent base runners, even Friedman, who isn't to the speed of the other guys. We saw it yesterday as he hustled into a double in a key moment in the game. He's a very good base runner, a little quicker than people think, and all excellent defenders. Those guys are just every day in every way, and as the Mets and Yankees at the top of the market get to spend money, I would think of those kind of players doing it, and I think I have your order. Also, I think it would be Betts, Turner, Freeman. But if you want to flip it upside down, yeah, sideways, it's, it's very close. Can we go to the Mets? Like, yeah, I think it's yeah. three guys with the Mets also, right? It's probably Lindor, Alonzo, sure. Diaz, right? right? Or probably the three. I've got an answer you won't give for this one, probably. Yeah, go. I might be influenced by the trumpet right now. Right. I'm, I'm excited about it tonight. I, I, to me, Diaz... You know, the bridge has been okay. I mean, Adovino's done well. Having that automatic closer is huge, and that's why they were so depressed with the Brewers when they traded Hader, even though he's been terrible in San Diego. He was incredible in Milwaukee. You know, Diaz, to me, is having one of the best relief seasons I've ever seen. I've seen this. Alonzo's doing great. I mean, uh, obviously, and Lindor's been really, he's lived up to his contract, which shows how good he is, because that's quite a contract. But to me, I'd have to go Diaz on this one. I, I know you, no one's going to pick that, but to me, he's the MVP. I, again, I wrote about this last week. I had him second, John. I had Lindor first. 
I think Diaz, if we're going to take valuable as yes. the, the, the key thing. So like one of the cases I made for Diaz over Alonzo second when I was doing this kind of fake ballot was I played a little game on Pete's and Diaz's, which is if you replaced either guy with just a good player, which of those teams, Met teams would have a better record. If you say, for example, had Yandy Diaz and Edwin Diaz or Pete Alonso and Pete Fairbanks, which of those two teams is better? I think it's the Diaz's because to your point, first of all, he's been great. He's allowed Buck to kind of mix and match with a really not great group of relievers in front of him because he knows for sure who's locking down three outs at a way the opposing team. And we saw this, John, in our town for a long time. With Rivera, when you have that guy, you influence the other team where they say, oh, we're playing an eight-inning game today. When do we use our pinch hitter? Should we save a pinch hitter for Diaz? That guy's not going to get a hit either. We got to use that lefty guy against Adovino right now in the sixth or seventh inning. And you could just feel the confidence in your team and what it does to the other team strategically and maybe confidence-wise. And yet I go with Lindor because, again, every day in some way, right? Not to the level of Betts or Turner, but just a tremendous defender, great on the bases, yeah. has hit, has hit for power, has, like Alonzo, has played all but one game this year, did play through a fractured top of his finger, which I think helped the collective toughness of the team. I think he's the guy, but I think that the Diaz argument isn't, like, I think you thought I'd throw on, it away. Yeah. I think it's a legit he, argument for the team. He's got to be on ballots. I mean, yeah. I want to see him on ballots. I, I mean, I, obviously, at this point, Goldschmidt and Arenado are one and two. Machado's probably three. Those Dodgers guys are maybe ahead of him, but I got to see him on ballots. He, he deserves to be on the ballot. I do take the valuable seriously. I know there are some people who do not. I, I mean, I think this is another example of why you pay for quality. And that's one thing that Steve Cohn, who we're going to have on later today, believes in is you pay for quality. And that's why he spent $43 million for Max Scherzer. It is odd to me that these starting pitchers who now don't throw eight or nine innings, or nine innings, like we did when I, I was a child at least, and then maybe eight innings 15, 20 years ago. Now they throw six innings. Generally, Scherzer may throw seven, but it's a little odd that they're the, one, they're the ones that are making that much money. But I do think part of it is the scarcity of greatness. There aren't that many pitchers in that category. There's Scherzer, there's DeGrom, there's Verlander, you know, maybe this year there's Alcantara. Alcantara this year. You can count them on one hand, basically, and that's you, you pay for greatness. And that that's why DeGrom, what has he thrown, 20 innings so far this year? He's, you know, people say he's going to be shooting for $50 million. I don't know if that's true. He doesn't really speak about it publicly, but certainly he talks to Scherzer every day. He knows what Scherzer got. You can make the case that he's better on the days that he pitches, at least. I don't, Personally, I'd rather have Scherzer because he's, he's available basically all the time. But, you know, these starting pitchers, this greatness, there is an incredible value. Turner's a free agent now. He played it right. He didn't take the $100 million from the Nats. Uh, I think the Dodgers briefly talked to him in spring training, and he's in great position. But having as many great players as, you have, as they have is really, I think, the Dodgers' great advantage. They may not have the MVP, but they've got at least three guys are going to be in the top 10. That's that's pretty good. The Mets might also have three guys that they, they, they get into that. I, I think they won't because I think Diaz won't be on as many ballots as you and I might think he belongs on. Uh, also, look, I, I did this. I think you can make an argument down the line for if you're making a top five. Like I did the next two for me. Like I did Marte, I thought was, and Scherzer. 
But like, if you thought it should be McNeil, if you thought it should be Nimmo in the in the top five. By the way, because Scherzer and Degrom were out for such long periods, plus McGill. If you thought Bassett or Walker just before their durability yeah. and really good pitching, or even Carrasco before he got hurt, it's why the Mets are on a hundred two yeah, win pace. They've, they've had a lot job. of people play really well for them this year, and I'm sure we'll talk about that and a lot more with our guest Steve Cohn coming up next on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. John, our special guest on the show is the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohn. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Here in year two of your ownership, I'm going to throw out this question to open up. You can't say the fans because that's the answer all the time. You can't say the fans. You're making a great experience for your fans both on and off the field. What's the best thing about being the owner of the Mets besides trying to please your fan base? Well, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's – when when your uh, when your team is doing well and we're doing well, I mean it's it's a hell of a lot more fun than when you're not. You know this year's been going pretty well, so um, I'm trying to enjoy it. You're on a 102 win pace right now. That's pretty pretty darn good. But you're playing the Dodgers. They seem to be the standard. Yeah. As you mentioned when you bought the team, that uh, that's the one team to emulate if you're going to emulate anyone. How close do you think you are to the Dodgers? right now and what would make this a successful season you know Steinbrenner used to say you have to win the World Series do you have to win the World Series I mean it seems like a success already to me well listen I mean I, th- I think we've made a lot of progress you know obviously I'd, you know, I'd love to win the World Series that'd be fantastic only one team wins the World Series every year and uh, if I remember correctly the Dodgers I think they won seven or eight division titles before they actually won a World Series and so it, you know, it's hard to win Right. And so the only thing you do is put yourself in position where good things can happen. And hopefully that's the case for us. Uh, I like this team. I like I like what they do. They're tenacious. They never give up. And I think those are pretty good character traits as you get into the playoffs. Steve, uh, you mentioned the Dodgers. They've won one championship since 1988 uh, with everything they've done and all their success. You, at your introductory press conference, mentioned you'd like to win a championship in your first five years. Do you think you're on uh, pace to do that? And do you still believe that's going to happen? Well, you know, I like to set high goals and uh, try to achieve them. No guarantees you're going to get there, right? Like I said, there's only one team can win every year. And uh, But if you don't set high goals, then, um, you know, you, you have to set high goals to um, otherwise you're just not going to stretch and try to um, achieve things that other people may think are difficult or, or impossible. And I think that's important to do. And that's the type of thing I do in everything I try, everything I do, whether in baseball or my businesses. And uh, I think that's the right approach. You know, I'm going to give the Wilpons a, a little credit here right now. I think the w- one of the things they did well was they built a nice ballpark. They they do know real estate. I give them credit for that. But it seems like the ballpark experience is even better now. Um, was this 
a goal of yours? I know my daughter is 16. She's a huge Mets fan, and she just loves going to the games. I mean, part of it is the Diaz situation with the trumpet and all that, but uh, it seems like it's a great experience, uh, reminiscent of the Giants. I don't know if you've been to many Giants games, but uh, is this something you've tried to do? Well, I mean, we're always experimenting. And if you notice, we have DJ night on Friday night. And, you know, we're always thinking about new ways to enhance the experience for our fans. And you know, we're always trying new ideas. And I, th- I think it's it's definitely forefront in our minds. Um, and I'm, it's good feedback. I'm glad your daughter's enjoying it because that's, that, that's, that's the goal, right? I mean, if, I mean yeah, if we can get the young fans involved, even better. You mentioned uh, the experience in New York. You share the city with the Yankees. And you've tried to say this town is big enough for the for the two of us. But just between me, John, I don't think anyone else is listening. You'd kind of like to kick their butt, right? And own this city, wouldn't you? Well, if no one's listening, why am I doing that? Oh, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to make a better point than me, Steve, with the answer. He's a pragmatist. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, um, you know, these things have been flow. Do I want to kick their butt? I don't need to kick their butt. I mean, you know, we're, they're the Yankees, we're the Mets and, and we're going to do our thing and, and, and they're going to do their thing and wherever it falls, it falls. And, and I I truly believe this, Joel, I I really believe there's room for both of us in the city. It's a big city. And, and I, you know, I just don't worry about the Yankees. You know, I just, I don't feel like I'm competing with them. I feel like we're trying to establish our own identity, our own brand. And uh, so I, I really don't think about them. Well, that's, that's a new one. Uh, good for you. You know, you guys made a lot of moves uh, in the winter. Obviously, Scherzer, uh, Buck, all the free agents, Marte. Obviously, last night we saw Canna perform some more heroics and Marte didn't quite do enough to win the game. But looking back on it, do you, do you feel like you did everything you want to do and anything on your mind about any particular move that you that you really think made a difference because obviously last year a team had a losing record this year on pace for 102 that's pretty good i mean certainly buck scherzer and several others yeah it's just one of those things where you can put it down on paper and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and this year it all came together really nicely and don't forget we also got really great contributions from the players that you know were on our team last year right i mean lindor's had a great year and Alonzo's having a great year and McNeil and, and Diaz and now I can go on and on. And so um, it's really been a team effort and, and uh, Nimmo's had a great, you know, great year. And I, it's really been a, a combination of new players and players that have already been on the team and, and it's all come together beautifully. One of the uh, people you added in the off season, Stephen, w- one of the architects of all the stuff that's going on this year, the 102 win pace is Billy Epler. Let's deal with a story that just won't die a little bit. And that's that you're just biding time until you could get your hands on David Stearns to run your team someday. Is there validity to that? And do you want David Stearns to run your baseball operations one day? Yeah, yeah, I'm really not thinking about that right now. I'm trying to get through the season, and and I think Billy's done a great job. And and uh, you know, Billy's a real detailed person, and and uh, I really appreciate the effort that he's put in 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 coming into a new organization, trying to figure out what's going on, and and uh, learning the personnel. He's done a great job, and I'm really pleased. 
What what about Buck? Uh, it felt like you. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It felt like you were the kind of driving force behind that decision. Has he surprised you in any way? Is there anything different that you weren't expecting from Buck this year? Well, I, I don't know if I was a driving force. I, I think it was a management effort, and uh, we did the interviews, and it was clear Buck was our guy. And uh, you know, we, we have a veteran team, and and you know, Buck is just a perfect manager for a veteran team. I mean, he's got the respect of our players, and and uh, you know, Buck is Buck. Buck's been a, been there, been around the block for a long time. He knows the game cold. I, I felt he was going to win us a few games just based on his knowledge of the game, and I think that's proven out. I'll, I'll complete the uh, front office stuff so we could get on the field. Sandy Alderson, you know, was an important person to you, especially early on in getting control of the team. Last year, helping to run the front office when some other stuff fell through and, you you know, some off-field issues with uh, Zach Scott and Jared Porter. Is Sandy just a bridge guy, or is he part of this for a while for you, Steve? Listen, Sandy's going to continue to be part of this. Um, he's been invaluable to me, and uh, he will continue to you know continue to help me any way he can. Speaking of guys who've helped you in any way that they can, I'm wondering generally about bringing the whole gang back together. Mike Puma had a story in the Post uh, a few weeks ago and how much it would cost, and it was quite a bit of money, but you have so many free agents, and they all seem to be having great years, which is a positive. Nothing negative about that, but uh, DeGrom, Walker, Nimmo, Bassett, you've got quite a list. Diaz. Diaz. How can I forget Diaz with a, with a great uh, song? Sure. How much effort is – do you feel confident? that? You, I mean, I, when a guy's a free agent, you never know. Uh, I, I feel like Diaz, just from talking to him, Diaz wants to come back badly. That's my, my read on Do you feel confident about any of these guys bringing them back? Is there any – thought going in of how much of the old gang you do want to bring back obviously it's uh, been a success this year do you want to keep it going and uh, you know frankly what are your chances i mean to be perfectly honest I, we really haven't sat down and and we've been so thinking about what's going on at the present i mean uh, we will sit down at the appropriate time and go over what our needs are for for the next season and, and, and who we want to bring back. And, and um, I mean, we got a lot of great ball players here and, and um, they're doing extraordinary things. And, and um, you know, obviously they're all free agents and they've earned that right. Right. And uh, that's part of the deal. And, and um, you know, this is a, a big moment for them and, and uh, I'm sure they're going to entertain offers and, and they should, and hopefully we'll be competitive and, and, uh, you know, we'll make those decisions when the time comes and, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, just because, uh, John, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, they're, 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 I mean, there's no one has an unlimited budget, right? I mean, I mean, the numbers could get extraordinary and we'll have to figure that out. And, and we will, but we just haven't gotten there, there yet. Steve, if I could just drill down on the the one guy who I think most of your fan base would be most interested in, and that's DeGrom. Yep. I understand that you're not going to do this until the offseason, but do you believe that Jacob DeGrom actually wants to be a Met going forward? And do you want him, considering there might be some questions about that and his health, do you want him to be a Met going forward? Is that a big priority for you? Listen, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't had a direct conversation with, with Jacob on uh, on this, I mean, you know, obviously he's been a great Met, somebody that I would love to have back. And uh, but I, you know, it's the type of thing I think it's appropriate to have that conversation 
after the season. I mean, he's been very clear. He wants to opt out. Um, he's earned, like I said, with uh, he's earned that right. Uh, it's part of his contract, and he and he, you know, it's certainly his prerogative to uh, explore what the market is. And at the appropriate time, we're going to sit down and talk. And 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 uh, he's been a phenomenal Met. And um, I think he, I, I said it the other day, and I'll say it again. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball, and we're we're going to do whatever we can to bring him back. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go over these players one by one. You have many many free agents, and uh, frankly, a lot of stars here. But I, I do want to ask one for my daughter, since she is a big Diaz fan. I think a lot of people are with uh, what's been going on with him. He's having an amazing season. What what are your thoughts on him? Even if you haven't had a direct conversation with him at this point. I, I had Diaz up for dinner about uh, a couple weeks ago. Terrific guy, extraordinary uh, season reliever. I mean, he's just had an extraordinary season, you know, just a great person, great demeanor for the role, right? So calm, just comes in, does his thing, you know, very likable. Um, I'd love to have him back. Steve, just to to follow up on that, you've done this in the past multiple times with uh, various players on the team, brought them up to your your home, had dinner with them. Would you like to tell us anyone else you've done it with this year and what what your goal is when you're you're doing that as the owner of the team? Well, they're people, right? That, uh, <laughs> right, and 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 they're not just employees that that are, you know, this is not just an impersonal relationship, right? I mean. Uh, they're important to me, and I, and I want to let them know they're important to me. It, you know, it's, it's not just you give me performance and I pay you. I think it should be beyond that. Uh, it's a great opportunity to get to know them, get to know what makes them tick. And I think it's um, it's my style. It's what I do in my in my, in my hedge fund. I always use the opportunity to get to know people on a personal level. It's worked for me, and I think it's uh, I think it's the proper thing to do. I'll continue to do it. Steve, have you had DeGrom up this year or plan to have DeGrom up before his free not, agency? No, I haven't had DeGrom up this year yet, and uh, but I had him up last year. I want to ask you just generally about the payroll. You're in that 290 range, just a little bit over, just, just as the Dodgers are. I mean, obviously there are limits. You're in that fourth tier tax, which they, I think, sometimes dub the Steve Cohn tax. I don't know if you, that bothers you or not. I don't think it probably does, right. knowing you a now, bit. Now, is that an, yeah, there could have been another Steve Cohn. Maybe it wasn't me. Right? <laughs> I don't think so. That, I'm pretty a sure. Lot of them around, right? You know, I actually know Steve, six Steve Cohns, but I'm pretty sure it was that, you. That's my point. That's my point. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what, what are the limits? I mean, Mike Puma, when he estimated that the team might cost $345 million to be brought back together, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I do believe everybody's going to have limits. You know, you haven't gone crazy. You know, you're, you're right there with the Dodgers at this point. Apparently had a little more room because I know they were talking to some other players at the deadline. How much more room do you think you have? Actually, I have no idea. Uh, actually, I think we've, uh, I think we've been very disciplined this year. Uh, you got to remember, we had a bad contract with Cano, and uh, obviously we ate that contract. So I think we've been pretty disciplined in that regard. And you got to remember, we'll, you know, we'll be paying Cano next year too. And so uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I haven't really even thought about what I'm going to do next year as far as a budget, right? I mean, and and I haven't sat down with my with Billy and, and the rest of the team, and and uh, and you know, that's just. It, that's going to happen after the season, and and we, you know we can figure this out pretty quickly. So I'm not worried about. I mean these these aren't that hard. These decisions aren't that hard. Uh, it really depends on who we want to bring back, 
what are the other opportunities out there, and we'll figure it out. So, uh, and that's that, you know that's that's part of the process. For the record, you're the only Steve Cohen I know, Steve. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, actually, I think I grew up with like two other Steve Cones in my 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 uh, my town. So uh, there, there's a bunch of them out there. This show is leading the league in Steve Cones right now. Uh, Steve, on the subject of payroll, obviously there was concern expressed by I think other owners on the way in about where you can take payroll. Have you felt any pushback, any commentary from other owners about what you've done and what you might be willing to do with this club? Well, you know, I, I, listen, I, I am cognizant that I'm part of a community, right? And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, just be flippant about what I'm going to do relative to what's going on in the rest of, rest of, uh, rest of the baseball community. And so, um, you know, listen, I, I listen, I don't, I've got to live in this world, right? And then I, I can't just act like it doesn't exist. You know, listen, I think, you know, we're almost $300 million. You know, you should be able to build a pretty good team at $300 million. Okay. So, I, think I mean, you if you can't do that, if you can't do that, then that's a problem. Yeah, I think you did build a, a pretty good team. In fact, some people, um, favor you because of the Scherzer, DeGrom combination, and I think Diaz as well. I'm just wondering, looking at your team, my my, my concern, and Adovino's done a nice job. You've gotten some good performances out of those bridge guys, the seventh, eight, eighth inning guys, which are more important now because most starters don't throw eight or nine innings like when we sure. were kids. So that's still yeah. important. That That's where I would look. Well, where, where would your concern be right now as the team goes forward? I, I mean, you're clearly one of the best three or four teams with Houston, the Yankees, Dodgers. Basically, there are four teams at the top. The Braves are certainly uh, pretty darn good as well. But uh, where do your concerns lie as we head now toward toward the postseason? We're almost at September. Yeah, listen, I think um, you know. I mean, what I mean, what's good, right? I mean, as you get into the playoffs, right? I mean, I think our starting pitching is is is, is really terrific, and I think in short series that really gives you an advantage as far as our relief pitching. You know, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit worried as far as our consistency. Now what's great is I think Lugo and, and Adovino are really starting to pitch. Adovino has been pitching really well for a while. Lugo is really starting to hit his stride. I think that's really important. And don't forget, you know, we've got Drew Smith coming back soon and uh, Tyler McGill is going to come back. And I I think the plan is to put him in the bullpen. And uh, so we have some pieces coming back that are going to supplement what we already have. Um, You know, obviously Trevor May was hurt. He's come back. And, you know, I think as he gets more uh, innings under his belt, I think he's going to start to perform really well too. And I think we're going to look pretty good as we enter the playoffs. And so uh, I think we're going to be pretty deep there. You know, and I think between our starting pitching and some of these additions, as they come back in September, I think we're going to be pretty strong heading into the playoffs. Steve, as a way to wrap up, first of all, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I'll just make a quick commentary that if God is in the details, like the Mets weren't always good at the details of things like ceremonies, but like your Seaver ceremony, your Hodges ceremony, the little one for Jay Horowitz, and Old Timers Day was such a brilliant success for you. It feels like just on and off the field, the organization is is going in the right way. And I'll just ask a question out of it. I was surprised there was some pushback against you guys retiring Willie Mays' number. So I'm wondering, what do you think about retiring it? 
And would you like to tell us who comes next? I'll bet Dwight Gooden. Go. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I mean, you know, it was really, uh, it was really my decision when I had heard, heard about that there was a promise made to Willie by Joan Payson. There was no follow through on that. I just felt there was an obligation by an owner that needed to be kept. And I was going to follow through on that. And I just thought that was the right thing to do. Willie, I had spoken to Willie. Willie had confirmed that. And um, so I was going to follow through on that. I'm glad I did. Yeah. So, you know, we, we want to celebrate our history. And I was very clear about that from the day one. And, and there'll be others. And uh, th- there's a process. We have a Hall of Fame committee. And, and it meets on a regular basis. And, and, and uh, you know, I can't tell you who's going to be, you know, next and how it's going to work. But, you know, we meet on a quarterly basis. And, and uh, I assume there'll be others. Well, Steve, you got a team that might be making some history of its own this season. We thank you so much for joining us on the show with sure. Joel Sherman All right. and John Heyman. Enjoyed it. All right, Thanks, guys. Steve. Good, good Thanks, appreciate yep. it. Thank you very Take much. Care. John, Steve Cohen hasn't given a lot of long-form. I'm not even sure he's given a long-form interview to anyone. He just did with us. Uh, We're obviously appreciative of that. What stuck out to you about what the owner of the New York Mets said? Well, first of all, I'll say he gave a good, honest answers for everything, and he's not too long-winded, which I appreciate. (laughs) uh, Some people are a little bit long-winded, myself included in that. Uh, I thought it was interesting when we asked about the payroll and how the other owners react. He said that he has to live within the world. So uh, I I don't think he's going to go as crazy as some people might hope for or think. Obviously, he's spent a lot. He's trying to win. He's over $290 million, as are the Dodgers. You know, I, I think that, that was interesting. There were a lot of interesting things, I thought. Yeah, I thought he was very interesting. Just on that subject, John, uh, in any athletic contest, whatever your best asset is, you use. You imagine, like, my best punch is an overhand right. I'm not going to use it. Hey, use your... This is like when the Yankees pull up spending money. Spend money. If he bought a yacht, he would certainly outfit the yacht with the best stuff, throw the best parties, have the best crew. This is his yacht. He's trying to have joy with this. If he wants to go to 350, the hell with the other owners. (laughs) Really, like, it's his yacht. Do what you want with it. Right. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I understand. But, I mean, it's, it was interesting to hear him say that he's cognizant of the other owners, but he also is, didn't act like he needs to bash in the Yankees' heads or however we put it to him. I, I, you know, I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, some owners of really of the Mets maybe have not loved the Yankees and vice versa, right? So uh, it's nice. I, I think it's okay that they can coexist. I like that as a positive. Uh, I thought he gave good, inter- interesting answers about the team as well, about the bullpen and about DeGrom. But, I mean, I just, you know, at DeGrom, I'm just not sure. You know, of course, he's got to say he's been a phenomenal Met, which he did say that. You know, he said the right things. Uh, he said he wants to bring him back. And I, I believe that they do want to bring him back. But is that one of those things where they're going to have a limit? I don't know. How did you read that? I, I wasn't sure exactly where to take that because... He had to say that he he loves DeGrom, which, you know, it's not shocking that he does. Well, first of all, I do think New York is big enough for both teams. As we're speaking, the Yankees are on pace for a little over 3.2 million fans. The Mets are on pace for a little over 2.7. That means 6 million people going to the games. Both teams' networks are thriving as far as eyeballs on the game. So they're both good teams, excellent teams. And so so we know that there's enough fans here to support the two teams. I think what nobody with the Mets can say is... Jacob DeGrom has to tell us what he wants. 
Does he want to be here and how much money does he want? I mean, you made this point before. Uh, Max Scherz is making 43 a year. Does he need to go north of that? For how many years does he need to go north of that? By the way, on the subject of the north, does he want to continue to play in the northeast or would he rather get closer to home and to the south? So I think that nobody on the Mets wants to kind of make a firm statement about a guy who's hardly pitched the last couple of years yeah. until they smoke him out and he tells them, this is what I need to stay. Yeah, Steve made that point. It's kind of Jake's decision, it's as it is all these free agents, and we really don't know how to read him. I mean, he hasn't even come out and say, I love New York, or I want to be in New York, as far as I know, right? So, uh, ultimately, it may not be Steve Cohn's call. Maybe, like a lot of free agents, it'll all be about the money, and maybe the Mets will outbid him, but maybe it won't be. I, I don't know. Jake may be just a great poker player, and maybe he's winning the game. I don't know, but getting the feeling, I'm not sure he wants to to stay i i don't know you know i'd be i'd be guessing but uh you know there's been that speculation out there about texas and atlanta and all the teams in the south as you alluded to it's good we have this owner though at least good for the mets fans that they have a shot obviously to keep him if he wants to stay yeah well it's been a new york new york kind of uh, regular season with aaron judge and jacob Degrom. i'm expecting it's going to be a new york new york off season we'll be all over that on the show Uh, with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, a podcast from the New York Post. I want to thank Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. John Heyman can be found on Twitter with his name, at John Heyman. I'm at Joel Sherman with the number one. We will be back next Tuesday and every Tuesday on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman.